Pa today. Oh, good morning and uh, welcome. And for those who don't know me, one or two new faces me here. I'm Paul, uh, as you heard. Yeah, but yeah, there you go. So here we are. This is the one, two, three, fourth uh, letter on this uh, little passage, these seven letters in the Church of Revelation. And uh, yeah, of Jesus to his church. So we have here church in Thyatira. Anyone heard of Thyatira anywhere else in the Bible? Anyone? Mind sparks? Anyone at all? Acts 16. Apostle Paul goes to Philippi. On the Lord's Day, he's going down by some water where people meet for prayer because there's no synagogue to God. There's no place where the Jews have set up. And he meets a woman called Lydia who sells purple cloth and she comes from Thyatira. Thyatira. Just random connection there <laughs> for the sake of it. One of the things it does tell us, just from interest's sake, nothing really to do with what I want to share out of this, is one of the things that Thyatira uh, was, I suppose, did was produce purple cloth. So that was one of their, their things. And so she was off selling the purple cloth. Apparently they produced it. Anyone read this stuff before? Just Google it. You can find it all. <laughs> they can produce purple cloth from a plant or from something they got from shellfish. They weren't quite on the coast. They were inland a little bit. The churches are following the road. If you started at Ephesus and followed the road up the coast and around and swung inland, there must have been mountains there to find the valleys. You would have been going from church to church in the seven churches. The order is the order on the road. It's practical, not maybe spiritual, who knows? Maybe it had something to do with that. So they could find this uh, stuff and they turned it into purple. One was a little bit cheaper. One was really expensive, apparently worth its weight in gold, literally, uh, that, that purple. Anyway, oh, we're stuck there now, aren't we? Purple, purple. What does purple speak of? What was the last verse, second to last verse we read? And he will, he who overcomes will get this rod of iron, which actually is more like a shepherd stick than a, you know, a violent stick. Uh, and he will, whoa, purple, whoa. Do they go together? Yeah, is that how you read the Bible? You see things, put it together, and you know, it comes together. Oh, that's what it's talking about. Uh, or maybe that's one thing it's talking about, uh, part of what it's talking about. Yeah. And how do you get purple? You get two colors. What are they? Red and blue. Is that right? Oh, good. I'm out on a limb here. <laughs> I'm not out. And, and red. What do you think of when you think of red in the terms of Jesus? You think of blood. You think of a cross. Blue. Blue speaks of the eternity, the heavens of the spirit. And you're living in the blood, and you're living in the Holy Spirit, and you're living in the rulership of Jesus Christ, seated with him in heavenly places. Don't claim the verse, I'm royalty, kingdom of priests if you haven't been at, living at the cross and in the spirit. Because that's where the purple comes from. That's not the message this morning. That's not the message this morning. It might be related. I really want to focus in on three phrases, four maybe, we read in those, uh, uh, that scripture. There was one word mentioned four times 
You probably missed it completely, uh, but I'll give it to you. He says, I know your works. And the really cool thing was, he said, they're better now than what they were at first. Maturity, growing up in your, how you live with Jesus is happening. Good thing, I know your works. Later on, after I said, I've got a few things against you and talked about some interesting stuff, he said, I will give to each person according to their works. The word really just means works. There's nothing mysterious there. It's the mahi, the work. That, you don't know, is the Māori uh, word for work. Yeah, I know your works. And then further on down, he gets down to those who overcome who keep the works of Jesus. And so I just felt it was important to, to look at this idea of work. And so I came up with these phrases to lead into the message that grace has work to do. I don't mean, well, probably includes the graces sitting on the front row and Punto's Grace, who's probably at work, is she? Yeah, Punto's Grace. And uh, little Grace, who went out to Children's Church. We're full of grace here today. Uh, it's a good thing. But we're talking about the grace that God gives us. We read it, we, we receive grace. It has work to do. And the base thought or the key thought seems to be, if I've received grace and don't work it, will it produce its results that it was given for in my life? Maybe not. Maybe I have responsibility. Faith has work to do. And uh, therefore Jesus' followers, you and I, if that indeed is who you are. Uh, I don't want to assume. That's between. Uh, we have work to do. So uh, let's dig into that and, and see how we go just going through the scripture. And, oh, I just wanted to bring this verse in there. I brought you glory on earth, Jesus said, by finishing the, he's praying to the Father. Father, I brought you glory by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So it was a bit more than I believe. It was, I believe, and I act like I believe. I do like I believe. There's some work to do. If it was true for Jesus, it's true for his followers. So let's go back into, oh no, here we go. I'm, I'm jumping way ahead. I had all these in my mind, but I just want to get into it. And this verse is really important though, because I know, maybe not you, but as soon as you mention the word work in some Christian context these days, you know, oh, don't say that word. I'm saved by grace, not work. Works have nothing to do with it. That's not what the Bible says. And so if you've had that orientation, let's listen. And we start with these verses here because Jesus has told us, I see your works, I'm walking amongst you. And, and as we know, at the beginning of Revelation, he says, I'm the one who was and is and is to come. And as he walked amongst them, he's walking amongst us. I know your works. I know your works. What's he see when he looks at us? Now these verses help us to get into this. For it is by grace, this is a uh, this word means God's given me something. You have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's a gift or 
a grace from God. Now, when they wrote this, and the translators put two different words in there for English, in the Greek, it's the same word. Grace and gift are the same word. Because it's, it's a grace, it's a gift. And you can't work to get a gift. Well, once you've got a gift, what are you going to do with it? You've got to put it to work. Do some work with it. Uh, so this is not from yourselves, it's a gift from God. So that's, that's, that's good stuff. So we receive from God everything he's got freely as a gift. So it is by grace. I didn't work to get it. Okay, I got that part right. It's not by work so that no one can boast. So that means I've got no boasting over my, my relationship with God. He, he's given it. But read this verse, very next verse. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. I've received something. What am I going to do with it? What am I going to do with it? To do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You ever thought about that? There are some good works that you are on earth to do. And I don't want to nail it down into too tight, but Jesus said to his father, Father, I brought glory to your name because I have completed the work you gave me to do. There's many things Jesus could have done that he didn't do. I mean, imagine if, oh, I shouldn't go there, should I? Yeah, I will go there. Imagine if uh, Jesus had decided, actually, I've got a better plan. We're going to skip the cross. We're going to try and build as big a community on earth here as we can. So we're going to find a place out there. We're going to just start gathering people, gathering people and build this big community. And I'll have, you know, I'll just have thousands of people here because, you know, I'm doing so many miracles. They'll all flock to this place. And I'm going to get it as big as I can. And then somehow we can send out teams all over the world. And imagine if you'd planned a different strategy. And he gets before the Father and down the line somewhere and says, Look, oh God, what have I done for you? You know, I've got this massive thing going on on earth. And he looks down and says, I don't know. That's not what we saw when you left heaven. We saw 11 men sitting in a room. <laughs> it's about just letting the Holy Spirit lead us, isn't it? To, to the works we're here to do. Here. Yeah. All right. So let's go back into these scriptures and read through them and pick up a couple of thoughts and uh, just let the Holy Spirit do his work as normal. If you're used to hearing me, you don't have to believe a word I said because I say it. You don't have to do a thing anywhere because I suggest it. You walk before God alone. You hear the Spirit. And when you choose to believe something, when you choose to put something to action, you do it as yourself before God. And if he happens to use me to stir it, then that's fine, but then put me aside and sort it out between you and God. And know that it's, you know, you and him. Not you and me, not you and Awaken. Awaken's in small print, kingdom of God's in very big print. Uh, you know, we're not trying to build a community of people who identify outside of Jesus Christ. Yeah, anyway, don't go there. Okay, he starts off here. To the angel of the church in Thyatira, right? These things, says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire. I, I just like that picture. Uh, brighter than the sun, it says somewhere. Uh, I don't know really what it means, but, you know, they're bright. 
and his feet like fine brass. Uh, I know your works. There it is. I know your works, your love. Oh, so love is a work. Your service. That really means just like being a servant, um, serving somebody, doing something for them. Uh, your service. Your faith. So faith is a work. Your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. You know, don't we all want that? He didn't start off well and fade. He just kept faithful. Kept trusting God. Yeah, I know your works. Reading on. Oh, that's too small at the back. Reading on to the next few verses because you know, we've said enough about the first one. I know your works. I have a few things against you. Oh, I know your works. I don't know all my works. I'm glad he does. So I'm a minister, I get to stand here and say things. That, that means my works is what God's given me to do. So I'm not held accountable for anything he's given you to do. You know what I mean by that? You know, and, and you don't have to be accountable to me. What I mean by this, I'll tell you um, three stories, real quick ones. An old, old, old friend of mine in Grace's uh, came back from being overseas for years and he was traveling down through New Zealand, just after he got back, and he was coming through Blenheim. He didn't come to Nelson, and he stayed with some other people we knew that we were friendly with, but they were a whole generation younger than us, as uh, Richard and Mel in Blenheim. That's for my sister. And, uh, and so we drove over to say hi and see him, and as he was passing through Blenheim from Nelson, his name was Gerald. That's for my sister. And, <coughs> and while we are there catching up, so Richard and Melody are about 10 years younger than Grace and I. Um, Richard says, I remember when you were... I don't want to let you know, Paul, when you were a young minister, and you know, he didn't say that, when I was a teenager, and I was in my 20s and speaking at youth camps, he said it was some of the things that you, the way you put things that God used to bring faith alive in my heart. If I hadn't gone to see my friend visiting Richard and Melody, I would never have heard him say that. I didn't know the fruit of all my works. I was in Nelson just after I moved there and walking down through the streets and the guy just stops me in a certain place and says, oh, excuse me, uh, are you the minister from Hanna? Oh, I said, I was, but a few months ago I moved to Nelson. He says, I need to tell you a story. You may probably don't recognize me. We averaged in Hamna Springs when we were there 30 or 40 visitors a Sunday in a church that was small because the whole population of the town was 700. Um, and our average attendance was about 70, so <clears throat> but more than 50% visitors most weeks. That's a holiday town. And uh, so he had visited church, and he said, we visited church on our way back from Christchurch. We spent a night in Hamner, and, and uh, you were speaking, and God just spoke to us as you were speaking. We'd done some business deals in Christchurch. God just convicted me, and I think I was doing a series on, out of Matthew 6 on... Um, you know, do not invest your treasure on earth, but invest in heaven sort of things. And uh, he said, we went back down, rewrote those business deals, went home, and then some thing, unexpected things happened, and suddenly we realized if we hadn't done that, we would have been bankrupt. And he said, I just want to thank you for saying whatever God gives you to say, because he used it. See, we don't know our own works if we're living faithful of God, because he knows them. And, you know, he just gave me that little window then to encourage me. So I don't know, you know, just trust God that he knows your works. Don't get too concerned. 
but just think, God, be faith. how am I faithful? We get into the middle of this, and it gets a little bit interesting. Now I have a few things against you, because you allow the woman Jezebel, uh, I'm not going to say much about this, because I want to focus on what I'm talking about, and it's a whole other message, but this woman Jezebel, First uh, Kings 16, 31, Ahab married a woman called Jezebel, and there's a whole story going on for her and her dealings with Elijah. There's good thoughts that he's not talking about a woman whose name is Jezebel, but he's saying he's pulling this understanding of Jezebel from the Old Testament into the New Testament, similar to what he did in the last letter when he talked about those who follow the way of Balaam, okay? It may have been a woman who actually, you know, happened to have the same name, but it's probably not. And it's not material that she's a woman. It's that she was a person who was a woman. And uh, anyway, there you go. Who calls herself a prophetess uh, to teach and seduce my servants. No. I have a few things against you because you allow the woman Jezebel, relate to the Old Testament Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. Pause to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Two thoughts. She called herself, three thoughts. She called herself a prophetess. So she wasn't, in a sense, in relationship with the church leadership in that office. Second thought, she's having some success in what people think of as spiritual ministry. God's anointing seems to be on her when she prophesies. And third thought, that means I can get away with stuff. And I heard a story like that five or six years ago. Of a, a minister, who I, in the broadest things of relationships I knew, but wasn't close in my world, who uh, ended up having two women in his life for a period of time, one known, one unknown. And it sort of popped onto the scene. And it was like, well, well you know, the anointing didn't seem to shift. So it must have been allowable. Oh, God says, I've got a few things against you here. That idea that, that, that I can separate what's happening in my spiritual life from what's happening with my physical life is the problem. It was the problem with the Nicolaitans in the last letter, the problem with the Balaam story. It's the problem here. They don't get too caught up about the word and sexual immorality and eat things off of idols. What they were doing was joining into common practice in their town. So the real point is here, I'm accommodating myself to what's going on in the world around me to fit in. I'm not just walking through it all faithful to Jesus Christ. It may not be sexual immorality for you, but it may mean you make adjustments to what you're doing that aren't the works that God's working through you. You're just making adjustments to make it easier to get ahead in the world, according to the wisdom of the world, or the society you're in. Um, or just, you know, don't want to get these friends too mad at me, so I'll just go along with them. Yeah, it was accommodating the current climate and behaviour of that city at that time, which included those things. So I don't want to preach here today. Another thought, and I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. That, that wasn't that I gave her a time, it means I gave her time. It wasn't like a moment on the clock, and she missed that moment she was done for. It's like, no, here, here's a season, you've got some time here. 
Isn't that strange, hey? She's causing a mess in the church. She's causing other people to get confused about their faith. And this other guy I mentioned about, there was a portion of the church who wanted him to stay as minister because the anointing was still with them. And just to push aside the other thing. She's making a mess in the church and God's still giving her time. Some of us are a lot quicker to move in on someone than God is, eh? Because he wants her heart to repent and come to know him. It's a strange thought. I can't, you know, figure out how to do that. But we all have been given time right now to repent. And the understanding of this time, this period of time, it has a beginning and has an end. And if you know there's some things in your life that, that, that God is actually stirring and speaking to you about, he's giving you time to repent. Repent, as we saw last week, means I leave one place and one understanding, and I turn my back on that and enter a new one. I have to leave something to enter something. There's a thought about repentance I didn't share last week, and it's that, that in a real sense, repentance is coming home. Coming back into the Father's place as home. It's a very positive word. He said, I'm giving you time to repent. But you don't have all the time in the world. So just do it. Just do it. What God's stirring and speaking to you about in your heart. We were up to there. Indeed, I will cast you into a sick bird. That's a bit confusing. And those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, there means some pressure is going to come on them. 1 Corinthians 11, I think verse 29 to 30, is another strange verse there that some of our minds struggle with, mine does. It says, if you are taking communion, which we'll do after the service, and you do not consider the body, you'll get sick. We're holistic people. Spirit, soul, and body. God doesn't look at us as spirit, with, you know, as parts, he looks at us as one whole person. And if we, if we do, you know, do this with one part and that with the other part, that's called, like, it's probably going to make you sick in some way. Um, maybe not physically, but it's not going to be healthy anyway. You know, it's not going to be healthy trying to serve two masters and follow two gods and live for yourself and live for Jesus. Uh, yeah, some, so that might have something to do with that. But that's not a big point this morning. I'm not going to go any further. There are great tribulation lest they repent of their deeds. We just had to read it because it was there, give you some thoughts. And I will strike your children there. That's a bit scary. And all of the churches will know that I am he who searches the mind and heart. And here's where I'm trying to get to. And I will give to each of you according to your works. I know your works. And I'll give to each of you according to your works. I have some things against you. You claim in my name, but you're trying to serve do it in your own way. You're trying to serve through the body. You're trying to fit it into your understanding. You're trying to accommodate it to the climate that you're in. So repent, and I'll give to you according to your works. Repentance is a work. The work means there's something happens. There's a, there's a doing involved. It's not just, um, you know, it's not just a little thought. There has to be an action. Well, dig into that just Read on a bit more. So here's a verse. I'll give to you according to your works. So he says here, be merciful just as your heavenly Father is merciful. Do not judge, 
and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. See, if you do mercy, you receive mercy. If you've received mercy, you do mercy. According to how you do mercy with the mercy you've received, you get more mercy. Is that what that says? There's a work. The grace of mercy comes into my life. Now I work with that grace to be merciful to you, to people. That's pretty straightforward. That's a work. I receive it by grace, then I put it to work. Then I put it to work. And according to how I put it to work, I receive forgiveness. I receive forgiveness. It's a grace. I don't do anything to get it. I just get it for free. Now he says, put it to work. Forgive those who you have something against. Forgive those who have offended you. How you put it to work has some impact on how you continue to receive. Does that make sense? He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look down and see, you know, look at you according to what you do with what I've given you. You get it for free, but then there's a responsibility to do something with it. Mercy, grace. So, so that's these verses. It goes on. Given, it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use will be measured to you. Uh, why do you call me Lord? He says, we've jumped a few verses down in the same chapter. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do, and do not do? That's a work. What I say. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. So you've, you've come to him, you've received his word, and you're saying, you know, let's do it. You are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid a foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck, and that house could not shake it. Struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. We're the houses. This house is me. It's you. It's how my life is being built as a person in a faith and a relationship with Jesus Christ. I hear something of his word. I do it. He says there's a stable, strong person who's, who all the different currents in this life can move or you know, have an effect on it, but it doesn't shake it. It stands strong. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So he says, Come on, I know your works. I'll give to you according to what you do. And uh, reading on, what are we up to? Oh, next one, next one. There we go. So we can't name and claim grace. We've got to work grace. I said that right at the start when I mentioned about the color purple, you might have got it. I can't name and claim I'm royalty in God if I'm not working with the blood and the Holy Spirit. To be a man who's surrendered to the cross and to living in the, in the life of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what's necessary for the reign. 
Imagine Joshua. I, I took this verse. I felt like I was meant to use Joshua here. So God, Joshua is this guy. He's just starting off a whole new position in God as leading God's people. And God gives him this word. And that's a grace. When God gives you a word about some situation or circumstance or moment in your life, and it just, you know, that's what you hear, that's a grace. It's a gift. You know, it, he gives it. The word is a grace. And now God, Joshua's got this. He, God just gave it to him. He didn't do anything to get it except listen. And he got it because he listened and he heard it. And so it's, here it is. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful. Wherever you go, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it and then you will be prosperous and successful. And a whole whole, whole nation of peoples being prosperous and successful was contingent. Take that word and go put it down somewhere and figure out what it means. It's a really useful word for the kingdom of God. If I'm right, it means the two go together. One can't work without the other. But it's not like a condition that you've got a, like a test, you know. They go together. Joshua's walk was going to mean the whole nation were going to get it. They go together. There's some things in, 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 in the Bible that are, they're not like, I've got this condition, this test I've got to pass. But if this doesn't go with that, that doesn't happen. If I receive something, but I'm not responsible to work with it, the fruit of it may not happen. So imagine Joshua gets this word, you're in your picture, go in your mind, here's Joshua, he's received this. Well, okay, I've got it. Thank you, God. I needed something. I've got it. Okay, I know what to do. I know exactly what to do. I saw what Moses did. Because Moses was the guy who led before him. And he got a word from God, and he went and found some stone, and he chiseled that word into the stone, big flat stones, and he, and he put it somewhere where it could be seen. So, so off goes Joshua, and he hunts around, and he, he finds a big flat stone, and he, he gets out whatever form of chisel he had. It probably wasn't iron. Uh, and he chips out a... A, um, these words into that stone, that, or maybe he got one of his craftsmen to do it, and there it is, he, he's got these words all down, and he puts it outside his tent, he gets up in the morning, goes and looks at the stone, claims, I got it God, thank you for this word, I claim this word, thank you God, it's going to be so, goes off and just does a normal day, comes back at night, there it is, that word, thank you God for this word, I claim this word God, it's just going to be so, you know, things go on, and he leads the nation, and things don't go well, Things don't go well. And after a period of time, a number of months of trying to walk with God and and the purposes and the plans that God had for him and the life that God had called him to, things aren't going well and and the nation's just feeling like a bunch of refugees on the run. And uh, he goes back to God and he complains. God, you said, I got the word. I read it every day. I claim it every day. And how come we're not being prosperous and successful? And God says, Joshua, I didn't tell you to claim it. I told you to do it. I didn't tell you to claim it. I told you to do it. There's nothing wrong with putting a word there to remind ourselves of what we're doing. 
I've got a few things like that I work on and read almost every day because I'm reminding myself of some things that God is doing with me and I need to work with them. But I've got to know. They're just claiming it doesn't achieve a thing. If I'm not doing it. And God gave them a clear doing, Joshua. Meditate on the word I gave through Moses day and night. Have it so that is instinctively how you think. Intuitively how you respond to people and situations and circumstances. And you will be prosperous and successful wherever you go. He didn't say name it. He said do it. He said we go. Yeah, well that's the main point. Eh? We receive from God according to what we do with the grace he has given us. He gives it, we work it. In some ways it's the same for every person, and in other ways it's different. The last little verse there, and uh, we're reading to the end of the chapter. We're not going to quite get to the end of this reading, but I've just got a couple more thoughts. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, or Tira, oh, I don't know how to say that word, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, he's referring back to this lady Jezebel, and this idea, I was trying to, what's this doctrine of Satan that he's talking about? Because they didn't say it was the doctrine of Satan. Uh, I think it's this idea I can have one sort of relationship with God in my heart and another relationship with God with my body. If I tell God I love him in the worship service, that's all he really wants, and I can do what I want with myself during the week or whatever it works for you, you know? That's the doctrine of Satan that's uh, sneaking in. Anyway, and I'll put on you, he said to them, hero, so you are not getting into this, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast to what you have Till I come, and he who overcomes, as that word works again, and keeps my works until the end. There's something oh, I'm going to finish on that verse, but there's a few thoughts here, isn't there? What, what are Jesus' works? Jesus is speaking. I know your works. I'll give to each person according to their works, and those who overcome, they keep my works. My works, he says. See, everything has a work involved. We talked about forgiveness. We can talk about faith. James, faith without a work is dead. We saw that with Joshua. Don't just claim it, Joshua. Do it. We see that with Jesus. There's things he had to do. Faith has a work attached. Love has a work attached. The works of Jesus. I put a, yeah, oh, I'm not going to go that verse. That's too scary. Because <laughs> I, it's scary because you mean God, it says there are greater works. Those who believe me will do greater works than I do. Oh, oh, aspiration. No one's there yet. No one in this room's there yet anyway. Someone on the planet might be doing it. But uh, some of these, love has a work attached. Good Samaritan story. Three men walked past a man in need on the side of the road. One man stopped and did something. And the question is, which one showed love? The man who stopped and did something. It wasn't the man who said, I love my brother. It was the man who actually 
loved his brother. There's a work. Service. Gifts of the Spirit are, are called services. Like, you know, he says, many different services are given to the body of Christ. That's the same word. <laughs> service, ministries. And he called them gifts. So you think you got a gift from God. But the only time that gift means anything is when it's worked. When it's worked. When it's given to someone else. When it's done, something's done with it. So, I know your works, the works of Jesus. Uh, we talked about faith, patience, and so all these things have a, have a work on them. So, you know, time's done. Going to finish there. And uh, we're going to have a time of communion. And who's, Polly, you playing? Your whole band can come up if you want. Uh, I'm not sure the order that we worked out then. And uh, yeah, you're ready to come to Jesus. Again, in the sea of his work. And receive of his work, his blood and his body laid down. Not just his blood, but his body. Not just his spirit, but his body. Physically, something happened with him. It's all of us. And uh, we get to receive of it. So it's this, yeah, I won't go there. there. So my mind has all sorts of thoughts. You may have gathered some, you get to know me. It's just so... You know, just all sorts of thoughts. And I've got to choose sometimes not to follow some of them. It's there. Yeah. So we come to communion. We take a cup and we take a piece of bread. If it's new to you, it's, it's a way of remembering the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the basis on which you take it is you're simply saying, I want to follow Jesus and I want to trust him with my life. I want to receive his grace. But do you want to work his grace? In your body. The grace we receive from his body, we receive, and then we trust his Holy Spirit to enable us and help us to work it through our body. So this is our time of just having a moment of reconnection, refreshment, new beginning, or just a moment of celebrating our walk with God. Saying, God, I thank you for what you've done, and I just celebrate that, and I'm going on. But it's our moment. To just come and do some work between our hearts and God's heart. So I'm going to pray a short prayer. Uh, while Polly plays, you can come up the front and uh, take the juice, take the cup, have your moment with God, and then we're going to sing a song of worship in a few minutes. So let's do it. Father God, we thank you. Jesus completed his work. The grace of God came to earth and completed the work that he, Jesus, the grace of God, was here to do. And we come now to receive the benefit of that, to receive that freely into our whole person, spirit, soul, and body. Lord, we don't understand it all, but we're going to take a hold of it and trust your Holy Spirit to work this saving work of Jesus in us. But also, Lord, we want to say, teach us how to be those who are doing the work you've prepared for us to do. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So when you're ready, just come.